Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are. Having a productive week here. I can't tell you it's been a great week. I mean, it's been positive, but uh, a lot of stress and anxiety goes into opening a new business. And uh, we uh, have come to terms on a lease, a shopping center here in the uh, great city of Starkville, Mississippi. So we'll be sharing that with you soon, setting up some social media stuff. For those of you that don't know, my wife and I have uh, successfully purchased a True Rest franchise. That's a float therapy spot. It will be the first location in the great state of Mississippi, right here in Starkville, trying to bring something great to Starkville, Mississippi. Because we're not just committed to Mississippi State. We're committed to this community. I shared that with you guys before. And uh, it'd be great to get her out of travel nursing. It's been better here as of late. They've been able to cluster her hours, and so she's home a lot more, which is always good for me. I think it's good for the show, which in turn makes it good for you. But, uh, you know, we spent some time together over the weekend and, uh, you know, just kind of getting stuff done, you know. And uh, matter of fact, if you are in the construction business, we are looking for a contractor and going to be making a decision here in the next couple days trying to get this thing going. You know, and so if you were in that line of work and you can start work soon and you can work efficiently and quickly, then I may have a job for you. So hit me up. You can find me all forms social media at Scout Steve R. Really excited to get this thing done. Was hoping we could get it done by the end of the year. I don't know if it's possible now, but uh, nevertheless, we're working through it. And so um, if you can help, we can help each other. Maybe we could have a business relationship, but I'll be honest with you. I'll tell you right out of the gate. Steve Robertson is not a uh, passive customer. I'm just going to tell you. So if we come to terms on something, you know, I expect you to do a good job, but expect you to do it quickly. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I can be a handful. I'm just telling you. But uh, this, we're excited about this, and we'd love to be able to uh, put some money in the pockets of Bulldogs. Like if you're a Bulldog person and you work in the construction business, uh, we'd love to be able to work with you, even if you're not the, the best bid. I mean, even if you're, if, you're, if you're in the ballpark, I'm more likely to do business with a bulldog than I am somebody else. 
So hit me up. Let me know. A lot of cool stuff going on. We've got a lot of things to talk about. Uh, season ticket sales. You saw here a couple days ago or a day ago that the university tweeted out that only 500 season ticket sales remain. So if you're on the fence about buying season tickets, let me encourage you to make that decision quickly. 2015, we set a university record. That was Dak Prescott's senior year. Coming off a uh, season we were number one in the country, I went to a New Year's Six Bowl game and had the most iconic figure in Mississippi State Bulldog history back for his senior campaign. Thought he'd be a Heisman candidate, and he was. He actually got more votes for the Heisman Trophy than Shorty McWilliams did, which makes him uh, the highest vote getter in a Heisman Trophy ballot in, in the history of our program. But we're coming up on that number. Now, I don't know how the, uh, you know, the lofts, whatever we're calling them up there, I can't remember. You know, the, we did that, uh, you know, reconfiguration, west side upper deck to put in those uh, balconies. That's what it was, balconies. I'm not sure how that impacts our uh, season ticket sales. I'm trying to find out. But nevertheless, uh, we sold over 50,000 season tickets in 2015. We have only 500 remaining. So we're at, right at that number. We're right around 50,000. And there's a lot of people out there that will try to convince you that you shouldn't be excited about football season. They're wrong. They're wrong. You can take it from your good friend and host. I'll Listen, I'll tell you, like a couple years ago, you know, 2021, you know, I, I thought we'd be a bowl team, but I thought we'd have to sweat it out like many of you did. I thought, ah, you know. And last year I thought we'd be better. I thought we'd be – get to six wins in 2021 we did lost bowl game and the egg bowl which sucked last year i told you guys i thought we'd be an eight and four team and we were i think we'll be at least that good this year there's some things obviously we've got to figure out you know i had a discussion this morning with a longtime listener about hey you know you know will's going to be under center you know, he's a guy that's taken a lot of snaps from the shotgun over the course of his high school and college career. So that's going to be different. But, hey, I'd rather do it with a, uh, you know, do it with a guy like Will. And so it'll be interesting, you know. It, there will be some growing pains for sure. But I'd much rather have those growing pains with an experienced roster and a defense that's expected to be especially salty. And uh, we'll go from there. But, yeah, it's going to be a good year. And I got to see people out there. Man, if we just get to six, if we get to six, we've hired the wrong guy. I'm just – with this schedule that we have and the experience we have on this roster, if we only win six games, we've either had a major injury or we've made a bad hiring decision. And I don't believe we have. You guys know my feelings about Zach Arnett. I think Zach Arnett's a winner. And it's one of those discussions I've had recently with the wife uh, about people. Like one of the things when I was hiring people, I always wanted to hire people that had participated in some type of team activity. Not everybody's an athlete. I like to get athletes when I can. You know, they're, they're usually very coachable. They understand how to work within the framework of an organization. But you know, a lot of people out there too, you know, have worked in band and things like that. When you've worked with a group, you understand the group dynamic. It's important to understand that. Zach Arnett has been a winner in every aspect of his life. And you know what winners do? They win. Once they figure out the framework of the job that they're taking on, they find a way to win. I kind of fashion, 
myself in that same vein. That's, that's how I feel. You know, I mean, it's like I, I believe given the time, I can figure out, like if they told me tomorrow I was going to be the president of the United States, which may be an improvement of what we've seen the last several years, I think in a few weeks after I had a few cabinet meetings, kind of figured out the lay of the land, I think I could do that job. I wouldn't be intimidated to do it. I may be scared to go out there and do a press conference every now and again and be underprepared, which, again, is something that's you know become, I don't want to get too political, but that's become uh, kind of part of what we've grown accustomed to in this country. Uh, but that's a story for another day. But winners find a way to win. There are some things that are sports-specific, but by and large, when you find people that are high-achieving, they're usually high-achieving in every aspect of their life. And you look at Zach Arnett, and you look at the, the roster he has returning, the schedule that's available to him. I think Zach Arnett's going to get off to a good start. I think next year may be different. I think some other people will say, you know, hey, Steve, you know, maybe Arnett had the big year last year, and he'll get the Chris Amonis treatment. Well, he's playing with Leach's players, even though he was part of the staff for three years. That's what people will say. But next year may be a little more of a difficult year. I still think we're a bowl team next year, but that's a pretty difficult schedule next year. And the fact that we're kind of reaching the end of a talent cycle, I think we've got some explosive guys on offense. But uh, the reality of it is, is, you know, this is the year for us to really make some hay, and I think we're going to. And and it's apparent that this fan base agrees so too. You know, last year we had some very, very dismal crowds, despite the fact we won nine games. But this year – it appears that a lot of people are saying, you know what, I like this Arnett guy. I like this team. I like the direction of things. And I think a lot of people, too, are kind of getting over their COVID caution, and that's not to be critical of anybody. You have to do what's best for you. And if that means staying home, I mean staying home. It's okay. It doesn't mean you love us any less if that's the reason you're staying home. If you're staying home because you're lazy, that's a different deal entirely. But I think people are like, you know what, it's okay to get excited. And I think there's a big part of our fan base, too. It's like, I want to be there when we make the experts look stupid. So, again, if you are on the fence about buying season tickets, you've got to get off quickly because you're not going to have the ability to buy tickets much longer because of the fact that we're going to, we're going to sell out the allotment of season tickets. So I encourage you to act today. If you say, well, you know, Steve, I always just kind of wait. You don't need to do that. I can tell you this. One of the greatest moments of my adult life, was becoming a season ticket holder for Mississippi State football. It was. Buy those tickets. I got so excited about it. I felt like I was making an investment in our program. I took some ownership. Hey, I'm a season ticket holder, right? That's the way it felt to me. And I was proud to be a season ticket holder. And now I'm a credentialed member of the media, you know, so I don't have to deal with all that. But, uh, you know, the reality about all that is that uh, it's something that you can feel proud of. It's like, hey, I'm a Mississippi State fan. Okay, that, that's one level, and that's great. And we appreciate it. We need every fan we can get. And then there's a season ticket holder. And then there's a season ticket holder and, and the big donor, right? And then, you know, there's levels of that, of course. But I think one of the biggest steps that you can ever take is to be a season ticket holder, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, whatever. But to have a season ticket, again, to me, that is a level of commitment that a lot of people don't share. And, and listen, some people can't financially do it. I get it. I'm not being critical of them. But I can tell you the years that I was a season ticket holder, and I, I can tell you my oldest son, Ani, oh, my goodness, when, when we'd buy the tickets and they'd show up, you know how much fun that is? Hey, here's our tickets for the year. You go find some safe place to put them so you don't leave them behind one day. 
but it's an important part of it. It's part of being a shareholder in Mississippi State success. And we need all the season ticket holders we can get. We do. We absolutely do. So, again, become one today. If you've never been one, talk to the wife and say, hey, listen, I, you know, I can't make a big donation here, but there's still some season tickets. Uh, maybe you're a Sky Dog. I don't know. That's kind of the entry level. That was how, how it was for me. I started out as a Sky Dog, and we were proud to be Sky Dogs. I wasn't real proud of having to walk up that ramp all the time. Uh, but my point being is that, nevertheless, I felt like I was a part of this thing. And, of course, you know, we began to give a little more money and got in with a group and um, were able to buy some tickets on the west side that were a little bit better than the Sky Dogs. But uh, one of the things I liked about being a Sky Dog is watching the play develop, you know, watching the wide receiver gain separation from a DB, watching that ball, uh, the tra- trajectory kind of leads you to believe it's going to be a catchable pass. And, and you start oohing and on before everybody else does because you see it first. So, there's, you know, there's good vantage points everywhere. But uh, Mike Ritchie and his staff do an amazing job for Mississippi State. He and I don't have the same barber, as you guys know, if you know us both. Uh, But, yeah, call the ticket office today. Get some information. Let's go ahead and sell these tickets out. I think Zach Arnett deserves it. I know Mississippi State does, and I think you do too. Treat yourself to be a season ticket holder. And if for some reason you can't make a game, let's get those tickets in the hands of Bulldog fans. Let's don't just take a chance and put them out there on StubHub and let Georgia come in here and take over our stadium again like they did last year. That was embarrassing. You've already spent the money, right? But it's important. Again, a lot of a lot of traction right now for this program, and I think you're going to want to be a part of that. And, uh, again, it's kind of historic, too, Zach Arnett's first season here and uh, should be a very good one uh, for Mississippi State. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. You should, too, and if you don't, Shame on you. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer. Some of you have been slacking with that. I've noticed the people around you, maybe it's such a gradual change they haven't noticed, but I, I, I've noticed. I hadn't seen some of you guys in a few weeks, and I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa. You got to get into Bulldog Burger Company and get that trend reversed, man. Get in there and get it taken care of. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer. Have that great restaurant-quality hamburger. I love going in there, man. The atmosphere is great. The service is great. The selection is great because it's got something on the menu for whatever I'm hankering for, right? You know I'm a big fan of that Mississippi barbecue burger. I like the Lauren. I like the Bryant. I like the Pimentology. I've had them all. And I can tell you, you're going to walk away satisfied. Maybe get, maybe shake it up and get the onion rings as your side instead of those fries. I mean, I'm, I'm, the fries are outstanding, and you get so many of them, you can almost build a fort with them. Um, Amazing portions at Bulldog Burger Company. And get that chocolate shake to go. You'll be glad you did. Whether it be the Nutella shake or another flavor, ride that ride home with a smile. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive and Start Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Rich and Flowood area. Go by and check them out today. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. Uh, if you are a season ticket holder or maybe a single game ticket recipient, and uh, you plan to come watch us play September 2nd. Man, a month from today, we're going to be on the field watching the Bulldogs take care of uh, southeastern Louisiana. I believe that's correct. We need to double-check that. Yeah, September the 2nd. It's going to be that afternoon. You'll be able to, uh, to come enjoy that and get home at a decent hour. We'd love for you to stay in Starkville. Uh, but nevertheless, if you're showing up for that game, chances are you're going to see a win. I've done some numbers here for you. This century... 
Starting with the 2000 season, I, I, I wanted to provide that disclaimer because some, you know, but Steve, the century began. No, no. Starting with the 2000 season, we are 16 and 7 in home openers, or in season openers. Not all these games have been at home. 16 and 7. In the last 20 years, we're 14 and 6 in season openers. The last decade, we're 8 and 2. So actually trending in a better direction, which should be no surprise, we have been a better program the last decade or so. But 8 and 2 the last 10. So I'm going to run through some of these, and uh, we'll do it fairly quickly. Um, but uh, you remember 2000, you know, we took care of Memphis, and that was a tough game. We won that ball game 17-3 uh, to at Memphis. It wasn't a, uh, a load of fun, but we won the ball game up there. Uh, we turned around in 2001. Of course, this is back in the uh, Jackie Sherrill era, towards the, the end of it, and it was a great era. And uh, we get Memphis 30-10, to 10, and that was a Monday night game. You may have forgotten that. We were Monday night football. That was a wild schedule, too. I remember my dad saying how, how it was not a very fan-friendly schedule. We had three weekday games. We had a Monday and two Thursday night games, including the uh, Egg Bowl. But we win that game 30-10. to 10. Not a lot of trepidation, to say the least. 2002, you know, this is when it all kind of fell apart for us, guys. This, if you recall, the 2002 game at Eugene, Oregon, at Allison Stadium, one of the loudest venues in the country, this is the uh, tire gate deal with Kevin Fant. We find out the day that uh, the team leaves for Eugene that Kevin didn't make the trip. And uh, we ended up being on probation for that. To this day, I think we got a raw deal on that deal. Just me. All right, 2003, Oregon makes the return trip. It ends up being a very entertaining ball game. We lose the game 42-34. But uh, we were competitive, and it was a tough year, man. We went 2-10 and 10 that year. You know, we started the year on a four-game losing streak, and we finally beat Vanderbilt. I remember thinking then when we did, it was like, can we just – let's just be – okay, let's just be happy with this. And then we beat Memphis. You're like, okay, we're 2-4. and four. Can we find a way to get bowl eligible? Nah, nah. We lost out, and most of those games down the stretch were not even competitive. After we beat Memphis, we get beat 45-13 by Auburn, 42-17 by Kentucky, 38-0 by Bama, 59-21 by Tennessee, 52-6 by Arkansas, and then uh, Eli Manning and the boys beat us in the pouring down rain, 31-0. I remember this. I give the field crew credit. That, that game in 2003, that Egg Bowl, the field looked great considering the circumstances. Great job. All right, 2004 – excuse me, 2004, yeah. 2004, uh, beginning of the Sylvester Croom era, uh, we get those guys 28 to seven. And the thing that I remember about that ball game is the tenacity with which we played. I remember Fred Reed, running back from Mississippi State, playing with a reckless abandon. He had, he had a touchdown run right around the goal line where he's hit and kind of stood up and he spins around and fights his way in. We weren't especially talented that year. Went three and eight. We won the first one. Got the Sylvester Croom era off on the right foot. And that's one of the things that people talked about over on the jeanspage.com message boards. Yes, we've been around that long. Um, is the effort in which we played. It was just different. All right, 2005, we open up at home against Murray State and uh, Neon Keon Howard with a couple touchdowns. 
in the ball game. 38 to six. And uh, you know, hey, it was it wasn't a great year, but it felt like we were kind of trending in the right direction. And uh, we end the year, of course, with a 35-14 win over Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. That was really all we had to kind of kind of celebrate that year. We had a couple of other opportunities to win some games, just didn't get it done. But um, you know, you you win three that year, and that's against Murray State, Tulane, and Ole Miss. That's the uh, Beginning of things, I guess, in some respects. You know, we were mired in an NCAA investigation. 2006, we open up at home on a Thursday night against South Carolina. Lose the ball game 15-0. We began that year on an 0-3 mark two, and we didn't score the first two games. We finally eke out a win in overtime against UAB in Birmingham. Omar Connor, if you remember, kind of improvised and ran the zone read himself, and we scored the game winning touchdown there. And then we... You know, lose back-to-back games. He beat Jacksonville State. And then somehow, somehow found a way to beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. A surprising win, to say the least. But, uh, again, season got off on a uh, losing note there. And, matter of fact, that began a three-game losing streak for us in season openers. We lose in 06, 07, and 08. LSU absolutely gets after us. In 07. I remember this too, and it, it was, as much as I like Sylvester Croom, uh, this was one of those things I remember he said, Well, let's go ahead and get it over with. I, I never want a Mississippi State coach to ever think that way. He's like, Hey, we know we're going to lose this game. Let's just go ahead and get it done. It proved to be a pretty good year for us in 07. Um, you know, got back in a bowl game for the first time since 2000. Uh, won the Golden Egg, won Liberty Bowl, set the attendance record there against Central Florida. I remember how obnoxious their fans were and how much fun it was to watch them leave with those dumbfounded looks on their face. But it didn't get off on the right foot. But we still managed to have a decent season. Won't call it a good season, but a decent season. And I guess in some respects you can say any season that ends with a winning record, the Golden Egg and a bowl trophy, in some respects is considered a good season. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tecovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tecovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tecovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovas.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. 
And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with Smart Money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let Nerd Wallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. All right, 2008, we open up, and you remember, this is the game where Derek Pegues was suspended, and uh, we had Jamel Smith back there fielding punts, and uh, we had trouble. We got off to a great start. West Carroll was rolling. Next thing you know, we had all kinds of trouble on special teams and defense and lose that ball game 22-14. to 14. Was not great. We go 4-8 and eight on the year and uh, beat Southeastern Louisiana in week 2, 34-10. That's also the year of the 3-2 to two game against Auburn. You know, people are like, oh, we shouldn't mention that. You, you guys, there's some things about that game that you don't know. We had some inside information about their audibles, which is one of the reasons they always scored three points. Maybe you didn't know that. Now you do. 2009 schedule, much different deal. Much different deal. Uh, 2009, we get Jackson State. That's the beginning of the Dan Mullen era. And you remember the very first play of the Dan Mullen era, it's an end around to Chad Bumpus, and he throws it down the field to O'Neill Wilder. We don't make the catch. But we got a standing ovation for the play call because we were so tired of, you know, a yard and a half and a cloud of dust. We win that ball game 45-7, to seven, and Dan Mullen proved to us that year that we, were, we had the right coach. We had done enough. We, we should win some of these games. And it's, that season went five and seven, but you know, people forget we should have beaten LSU. We make a tackle on a punt return uh, with Chad Jones. We win that ball game. We lose it 30 to 26. We had a chance, of course, even after that. We're knocking on the door. The guy to score a touchdown. We couldn't get it done. We lose to Houston 31 24. And you remember that we had a, a play called back on an uh, illegal forward pass that wasn't, and Mullen didn't challenge it. Remember, Leon Barry made that reception, had to set up their first and goal, and we ended up losing the ball game. We had a fumble on his own read or all kind of stuff there. It just, it just didn't work out for us. But five and seven, and, uh, you know, you win with a golden egg, but, you know, we should have been bowl eligible that year. But, again, big win for uh, – big win 
to get Deden Molinaire off on the right foot. 2010, that was another year that, uh, good year for us, obviously. Ended up with the Gator Bowl trophy and the Egg Bowl trophy. Nine and four record, similar to what we had last year. Exactly. And we beat Memphis that year, 49 to seven. And again, it really wasn't competitive. Remember that next Thursday night, we nearly beat Cam Newton and, and poor Leon Barry dropped that pass. Man, I felt so bad for that kid. I remember Mark Husband taking him and embracing him. Leon Barry was inconsolable after that ball game. He makes that catch. We got a chance to kick field goal, if not score a touchdown. And uh, sadly, a few weeks later, Leon Barry tore his ACL. But man, what a great kid he was from Griffin, Georgia. Kind of a forgotten player of the Dan Mullen era. But man, Leon Barry was a big deal for us. Really, really big deal for us. And again, it got off to a good start with the, uh, the win over Memphis. It's always good to beat those guys. And we did it again in 2011. Seven and six year. And I, here's the thing, too. I remember it was so interesting. We talked about, uh, you know, you win, you win a championship, right? And I remember Kyle Vesey and some people in the press corps were, give, were kind of ribbon mowing about that, you know. Um, they said, why did you call it a championship? He said, well, you know, because on the trophy it says that we're the uh, Music City Bowl champions. In order to be a champion, one has to – win a championship. He didn't say a national championship. I mean, there's conference championships or state championships. And, you know, anytime that you win a bowl game, it's a big deal, especially in these parts. But, again, it gets off to a 59-14 blowout of Memphis. And it seemed like we could do whatever we wanted to do that night against them, for sure. All right, so uh, moving right along here, 2012. Uh, we get Jackson State, and, again, 56-9. And that's, that's the We Believe year. You recall that? And I don't know who it was that went and put the We Believe shirt on the Bear Bryant statue. Please don't ever do that again. But uh, it was not a great schedule that year. But we handled business for the most part. You know, of course, we struggled a little bit at, at Troy. And, of course, Chad Bumpus with a big, big touchdown late to prevent a complete embarrassment. But, uh, you know, we knocked off a very pedestrian Auburn team that year. We got Tennessee and Derek Dooley up here. Big catch by Malcolm Johnson to put that game away. Great throw by Tyler Russell. And so a lot of people have kind of picked this schedule apart. It wasn't a great schedule, but, you know, hey, anytime that you beat Tennessee, anytime you beat Auburn, it's a big deal. You go on the road and beat Kentucky, that's a big deal. Just ask our fans as of late how difficult it is to win up there. Mullen dominated uh, Kentucky when he was here. And then we lose to Alabama. Then Johnny Manziel comes in here and puts on a performance for the ages. And then we lose at LSU. Salvage a win against Arkansas, blow those guys out, and um, have a chance to end up with a winning, uh, winning the Egg Bowl there. And um, we didn't, you know, we didn't. Lost 41-24. First time they'd won in a while. And then we lose to Northwestern. And what a mess Northwestern is these days uh, in the Gator Bowl. All right, move ahead to 2013. And uh, you guys may have forgotten this one, but uh, we went on the road against Oklahoma State. If memory serves me correct, we had three ACL tears in that ball game. Three. Kendrick Market, uh, Justin Malone, and Nico Whitley, even though his was partial and he played the rest of the year. But we lose that game 21-3 in Reliant Stadium, and uh, Dak Prescott became your quarterback for the most part late in that ball game. We were asking an awful lot of him. And uh, we knew coming into 14, he was what we were looking for, and what does he do? Leads us to number one in the country. First loss of the year came in November against Alabama. Begin the year on a, on a great note 
and 49-0 win over Southern Miss. 2015, we made the return trip down to Southern Miss. Remember how late that game was and how difficult it was to get tickets down there? And we didn't want to run back as much. And come the second half, we had to win that game 34-16. I remember it was, it was tough. The game wasn't tough. It's just kind of the atmosphere was tough. It's like the bitterness about Mississippi State was palpable in that stadium. 2016, we lose to South Alabama. This is the famous khaki shorts game for Dan Mullen. We miss a field goal. And uh, the fact that we were in that situation, it should never have come down to a field goal. A lot of people beat our kid up on social media, which I don't approve of. should have never happened like this. And, and the reason we lose this game had nothing to do with a kick. That's what you remember. The reason that we lost this game is because Dan Mullen let the quarterback competition linger into the season. And it was all this talk about Damian Williams and Nick Fitzgerald and, and um, kind of split the locker room for a little bit. We finally decided just to go with Nick. Ended up doing some big things that year, some good things that year. And, um, you know, lost a couple ball games we should. And we look back at that year and everybody's like, oh, it was a bad year. You know, it was a bad call at BYU. And, uh, you know, Peter Sermon not knowing how to manage a game in Kentucky after Nick Fitzgerald and Fred Ross had driven us down the field and got took the lead with just a couple minutes left, and we act like we had never, ever, ever faced a team in two-minute drill, and we end up giving up a 53-yard field goal to lose ball game. And we go up there and destroy Ole Miss. But, you know, you look at this and you say, oh, it's a bad year. Well, I mean, you know, it was a bad year because the defense was so bad because we hired a guy that was not in any way uh, qualified to run our defense. 2017, we take Carroll Charleston Southern 49 nothing. Of course, that ends up being the final year of the Dan Mullen era. And uh, Greg Knox eked out a win. Saw Greg the other day. I said, Greg, I still love you. You are the uh, winningest coach in Mississippi State football history. Tied with Zach Arnett. And Knox says, I plan to stay that way too. <laughs> All right, 2018, we kick off the Joe Moorhead era, and uh, we scheme these guys to death, even though uh, athletically we should have been just fine anyway. But uh, we beat them 63-6. to six. And I remember, you know, Osiris Mitchell having a big ball game. And a lot of that was just because he was kind of an untapped talent and uh, was really kind of coming into his own that year. And we did a really good job of kind of getting him in some situations uh, to kind of make things happen. So 2018, we win there. And then 19, the uh, second year of the Joe Moorhead era, we go down and play – uh, Billy Napier and the Raging Cajuns down in the Superdome. You remember that? It was you know, 38-28, but it was a tussle for a little while. It was. And uh, Tommy Stevens got off to a good start, and it just seemed like all of a sudden like the, the, the play kind of turned when UL picked it up a little bit defensively. Uh, but we win the ball game, and that was not a bad UL team. I don't like going on the road, um, even to neutral sites for season openers. 2020, we began the Mike Leach era. Uh, one of the best wins in school history. You beat the defending national champions during the global pandemic in their own backyard, 44-34. And let's be honest about this. Um, if K.J. Costello plays a little bit cleaner, this is a blowout for the ages. We let LSU stay in the game. They, at no point did they have any match for us on defense. Zero. In that fourth quarter, I remember Osiris Mitchell speaking to him, telling me the DBs were telling him how tired they were because they have been chasing crossing routes and trying to play man coverage all day. And, um, you know, Bo Pelini just had no answer. Mike Leach just absolutely carved him up. 
2021, not too long ago, you should remember, maybe you don't, but, uh, you know, we get Louisiana Tech, and at, at the time, it was the biggest comeback in school history to win 35-34. Well, Rodgers did not have a good first half, had a really good second half. That fourth quarter was electric. But uh, we didn't play well. We managed to get the win. It didn't feel like a win, though. Then the next week, you know, we get NC State. And we're like, okay, we're okay. And then we go up there and get beat by Memphis on that stupid call. And then we go down there and lose to LSU 28-25. Oh, that was here, excuse me. You beat A&M. And you look back at that year and you say 2021 was just kind of pedestrian. And you look with a couple plays here and there, it's a completely different season. We missed three field goals on the road at Arkansas and lost by three. This very easily could have been a nine-win team, but it wasn't. We didn't get it done. And, of course, 2022, last year, we get a little bit of revenge against Memphis. They come to our place. Remember we had the uh, the lightning delay and all that stuff? We didn't get done playing until, like, 3 in the morning. Uh, but 49-23 winners. And so just wanted to kind of go back and look at these um, season openers. And, again, uh, if you're coming to the game, good chance you're going to see a W, uh, as you should, you know. But, uh, you know, we play southeastern Louisiana. And, uh, you know, for a long time they didn't even have a football team. You know, Hal Mummy and, and Mason Miller, former Bulldog offensive line coach, was on that staff uh, there at Strawberry Field in Hammond, Louisiana. But they will not be able to run with us athletically. The main thing we have to do is go in there and just kind of be as efficient as we can be. I'm sure we'll be rather vanilla. But um, you know, we'll preview that as we get a little bit closer. But I think again, it's important to understand how important it is to get off on a good start. The FCS game should always be a given, but the reality of it is, as the South Alabama game taught us, that shortly after they joined Division One. You can't take anything for granted. And uh, I, I think Zach Arnett and the crew will have the, the, the team ready to play. But uh, a lot of people say, well, I want to go see State when we're going to win. I, you know, I, I go to every game, but that's when we're going to win, and we should. And uh, so, can kind of begin to make your plans. Again, get your season tickets and begin to get your outfit picked out and things like that, and, and let's go win a ball game. Because, uh, again, not just because of the opponent, but because of the fact that we're playing at home and we're a good football team. And by and large, we win these games. So, again, 8-2 and two in the last 10 uh, in the season opener. And we expect to take that to 9-2. and two. But, and I guess in some respects it would be 9-1 and one for the last 10 because that game against Oklahoma State will fall off the decade, right? So, it will be 9-1 and one in the last 10 provided we win on September 2nd. All right, time for today's top 10 list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Be sure to go check them out. Blair is a mortgage professional. Blair is the guy that can get things done when nobody else can. This is a guy that's done it all and seen it all. 22 years of experience in the mortgage lending business. You could trust your mortgage to a lot of people, but why not deal with somebody that's got the top 1% close ratio in the country back-to-back-to-back years? Fairway Mortgage, reputable lender, voted number one in customer satisfaction. What could go wrong, right? Uh, As I've mentioned on the show, too, there's a new state law that allows people 18 years of age with a co-signer uh, to sign a mortgage document. And so maybe you would want to pursue that and maybe help uh, your child begin to uh, 
build up some equity, give them a head start at life. That's a great thing. Remember how tough it is to get a mortgage. And sometimes you need a helping hand. Blair can help you navigate through that process. Call him today at 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. I don't know what your needs are. Whether you need to consolidate some debt, buy a home, whatever, I don't know. But Blair can help you when nobody else can. That's Blair Chandler at CloseWithBlair.com. All right, Blair will love our list today. We're going to do some obscure uh, metal. Yeah, that's right. I had to cleanse the palate a little bit. You know, we had Indie Rock on Monday. Got some good response from people that said Ian did pretty good. Even though many people thought Reptilia should have been number one from the Strokes. But uh, nevertheless, we move forward. And so the thing I thought about is, uh, you know, when I'm traveling sometimes, I think about, like, the history of music and kind of how things go. And um, so grunge has been unfairly maligned by many people. I, I appreciate grunge. I do. Uh, but there was some birth pangs for grunge in the late 80s. A lot of people think, like, all of a sudden you had, you know, all these guys with teased up hair and leather jackets and things like that and, you know, neon shirts and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody showed up in a Freddy Krueger costume and a guitar and ended the 80s metal scene. The truth of the matter is, music was already trending in a different direction. It was kind of in the underground, and there wasn't a lot of heat yet for the Seattle music scene. But I want to share with you these bands that I feel are kind of the bridgeway from the decadent 80s to the depressive 90s. That's right. That's right. So I want to give a shout out to a few bands that didn't make our list because they didn't fit the category, but some bands that kind of released their debut albums in 89 that are worth a listen to. That's Tangier. They've been on our list before. Uh, Tora Tora out of Memphis. Love those guys. And speaking of Memphis, one of my new favorite rock bands, Sleep Theory out of Memphis, recently signed with Epitaph Records. Uh, they've announced today that they're dropping a six-song EP called Paper Hearts, and the new single, Gone or Stayin', is a part of that release. So you've got Another Way, Numb, and now Gun Stayin' that are available, Gone or Stayin', available for your listening pleasure. And we'll have uh, three new songs from them uh, by the end of September. Excited about that. I want to throw a shout-out to the boys in Sleazebees because our love is stranger than paradise and dirty looks. Maybe you don't know those guys, but those are bands that, you know, kind of, uh, you know, still kind of the last gasp of the 80s metal scene. But uh, there were some bands that were doing some things differently. The composition was different. The arrangement was different. The tuning was different. uh, The vocal delivery was different. And these bands, like if you listen to Motley and Guns and bands like that, and then listen to these guys, and then listen to what became the grunge scene, you can kind of see... The connection. Number 10, a great band that hit the scene, man, and everybody said they were like the next big thing. It didn't work out. Uh, Jizzy Pearl was the lead singer, who for a while was the singer in Rat when Stephen Piercy was on hiatus from the band. I saw that that part of the band. It was Bobby Blotzer, Warren Martini, Robbie Crane. John Karabi was a rhythm guitar player who replaced Robin Crosby, and of course Warren Martini, and then Jizzy Pearl. Uh, that's Blackout in the Red Room from Love Hate, your number 10 song today. Love Hates, Blackout in the Red Room. 
Number nine, a band that I think was just kind of born too late. It's a band out of New York City called Spread Eagle, and a great track from them, Switchblade Serenade. That's number nine for you. Number eight, a band, another band that just was, you know, it came together too late for them, but the vocal delivery was kind of in between, kind of a transition between that operatic style of the 80s and then the monotone style of the 90s. It's Shark Island's Paris Calling, number eight. Shark Island's Paris Calling. Number seven, a band that featured Vivian Campbell, who's been with Def Leppard now forever and a day, replaced uh, Steve Clark in Def Leppard. Uh, before that, he had a band called River Dogs, and of course he put that together after he left the Ronnie James Dio experience. Uh, a great track called Toy Soldier. It's got a little more of a blues vibe to it, but even Vivian Campbell, one of the most proficient players uh, in the 80s metal scene, was beginning to kind of change the sound a little bit, and eventually he went back to you know, playing metal and playing for Def Leppard. But a great track there, and again, a really nice vocal delivery. Kind of like a raspier version of Dave uh, Perner from uh, Soul Sound. Great song, Toy Soldier from River Dogs. Number six, a little controversy with this band and uh, their album No Fuel Left for the Pilgrims. It's D.A.D.'s Sleeping My Day Away. That was a big hit. A lot of people knew that song. D.A.D., you say, Steve, what does that stand for? Well, it stands for Drunk at Disney. And they called the band Drunk at Disney, and apparently Mickey Mouse had a problem with that. So they just went with the acronym D.A.D. That's what it stands for. You don't get that information on any other show. Only this one. Number five, one of my favorite bands from this era, because they were not metal, they were not grunge, they were just straight ahead rock and roll, but man, they absolutely ripped. It's a great band called Warrior Soul. We've talked about them on the show before. Uh, some great albums with them, Last Decade, Dead Century, Salutation from the Ghetto Nation. All those were great. But we're going to go back to the song that started it all for them. It's Here's to the Losers. And uh, it's a song about addiction, and it's a song about people that have been disenfranchised by society. Great track. Uh, it says, you know, I think we're beautiful. We are. All right, number four, a band that a lot of people threw a lot of support behind when they got together, and they just couldn't get along. But it's kind of a postmodern punk type deal. You can hear some elements of punk, and this is when maybe the skill refinement in the metal scene began to break down a little bit. And so as a result, I mean, you, not everybody could go out there and play like George Lynch or Yngwie Malmsteen, right? I mean, not everybody was as technically as proficient. So you had a, the rise of rhythm players that were not great soloists. And I include the band, the Sea Hags, in that category. The great track, Half the Way Valley. Great song. Matter of fact, we did a battle of bands in Columbia that I hosted and uh, we had a band from Jackson that came down, and they covered that. And uh, there was a kid from my hometown named Matthew Sutton, a little bit of a prep, and uh, sadly, Matthew died a few years ago. I remember him telling me, he goes, dude, I'm so glad I got to hear Half the Way Valley. You know, it was just one of those things. As, as the Molly Cruz and Rats and Bon Jovi's of the world began to kind of cross over, uh, many of us in the metal scene look for something a little more obscure and bands like the sea hags kind of provided that it was good it had attitude and a little bit of uh you know in your face but they couldn't keep it together number three a great band and they are still touring today they reunited several years ago uh very charismatic lead singer by the name of davy vane the van is the band is vane and uh the debut album no respect 
I wore that thing out. I still have that cassette. I don't have a cassette player anymore, but I still have all my cassettes uh, from the 80s. But Vane was legit. And uh, that debut album, there really wasn't a bad song on it. I almost went with my favorite one, which is Aces, but I didn't. I went with Beat the Bullet. That was the single that kind of started it off for Vane. And again, much like the Sea Hags, the guitar had more of a punk, unpolished vibe to it. Number two, speaking of guitarists, the guitar player for the band Shotgun Messiah is a guy by the name of Harry K. Cody. And they're a band, I believe, from, uh, I believe they're Danish. I think that's right. But anyway, they're, they're from across the pond. And Shotgun Messiah, when you bought the cassette, they gave you this little stencil. Inside the uh, liner notes, there was a stencil you could use to, uh, to shade their name on your books. Great song called Don't Care About Nothing. Nothing at all. All right, number one on your list of the Bridge to Grunge top ten list is the band Bang Tango. Love these guys. That debut album, Psycho Cafe, was so great. They hit the ground running. It was absolutely nuts. Debut single, Someone Like You. The vocal delivery on this is unlike anything from the 80s. And again, this is when things began to really change. You know, some people called this like the second wave of sleaze metal. It's really not. Uh, it, it became a little more, the subject matter became a little more serious. Uh, there was a lot more, there's a, a little darker element. You know, you say, but Steve, how could it be more dark? Well, you know, the occult was a big part of things in the early 80s. And then, of course, it kind of transitioned into debauchery. But, you know, a lot of things that were maybe not considered radio friendly began to be written and sung about in the late 80s and, of course, into the 90s. And so, again, that's part of our, uh, our premise today to kind of put this list together is, you know, the bridge from the decadent 80s to the depressive 90s were these bands. And, uh, again, many of them kind of born too late. But, when again, when you listen to this list and you listen to some of these tracks, a lot of these songs are going to sound familiar, but you're going to hear some elements of the 80s and elements of the early 90s. makes perfect sense because of the fact that... Uh, they were kind of, you know, positioned in between both of those eras in music. And it's so funny, too, that, you know, things change, right? Everything in life changes. You know, like some would say, well, what happened to disco? Well, disco used to be the biggest thing in the world. Even Kiss did a disco record. I was made for loving you. Yeah, disco. But things change. There are a few elements that survive into the next, uh, you know, chapter of rock music. But by and large, things change. And so this was a part of it. And a lot of these bands that don't really have a home genre-wise kind of get lost in the shuffle, which is why many of these bands are going to be bands you hadn't heard before. And you, again, you listen to these tracks, you're like, oh, I remember these guys. I remember this song. So if you have ideas for the top 10 list, uh, reach out, let us know. Best way to do that is to hit up Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. You can follow our great list on Spotify also at Dogmatic67. I'm on all forms of social media at ScoutSteveR. Be sure and uh, follow me on Twitter if you're not already. A lot of cool stuff. I'll remind you guys, too, if you are a, uh, on the fence about a jeans page subscription, today through Thursday night at midnight, you can get an annual subscription for 75% off. They call it a flash sale. Uh, we did it earlier this year, right before the February signing day. 
and uh, we're doing it again now. And so here's the deal. Like if you sign up now for the annual subscription, it's what it's like 26, 27 bucks, less than 30 bucks, right? That gets you all the way through college football season, college basketball season, college baseball season, all the way up through the College World Series and brings you right up to the beginning of fall camp next year. So you pay that right now, pay your $26, $27, whatever it may be, and then you get the most in-depth coverage of Mississippi State Athletics the world has ever seen for a year. Now, you could stick to your local paper. There's some very talented people working in the paper, but they're limited with what they can do, right? A lot of times they have one guy that's covering a beat. You know, we've got an army of people. And so while you may get two or three stories from your local paper about Mississippi State, maybe a story a day, you know, with us, you're going to get several stories a day. You know, on game day, you're going to get, in most game day situations, uh, upwards of 10 stories on game day. So it's well worth your time, effort, and money. And uh, we do some exclusive stuff like today. I interviewed Scott Shipman. You say, Steve, who's Scott Shipman? Uh, he is your strength and conditioning coach for Bulldog Baseball. Got here last year after Adam Thackeray and Brittany left for USC. You know, I hated to see that happen. But, uh, you know, Shipman is a guy that um, was a former college baseball pitcher and has spent the last 10 years rising up the ranks in the strength and conditioning world, and he is baseball only. And some other stops he's had, he, he had to deal with some other sports like Olympic sports and things of that nature. So he doesn't come from a football background. So everything that he's done relates to baseball by and large. And so spent some time with the Diamondbacks organization, uh, was mentored at TCU, was the head strength and conditioning coach of baseball at Georgia Southern. Uh, the, and then the second year he was there, they hosted an NCAA regional for the first time. You know, so this is a guy that knows baseball. And so he had some interesting things to say about uh, kind of how things go, you know, with Mississippi State strength and conditioning for baseball. And that's a big thing people have asked, you know. And one of the things that I asked him about, too, is like, you know, tell me about injury prevention, things of that nature, you know. And uh, so that is available to our subscribership. That is a VIP special. So if you are a subscriber, you can read that. And those are the kinds of stories that we do from time to time. We interview people perhaps that uh, aren't going to be interviewed by the paper. We get those people, too. And then we give you more in-depth coverage because the internet is as big as we want it to be. We're never going to run out of space in the internet. So if we want to write 100 articles a day, we can. I don't know if you can read that many, but we could write that many. We certainly could. We wanted to. Uh, so if you're not a member of jeanspage.com, you certainly should be. The Mississippi State Affiliate for 247 Sports. Go check it out today. All right, next segment of show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Stark Billion institution. Next time you're in town, go by and visit with them, see their smiling faces, and peruse their fine selection of maroon and white merchandise. A lot of people make the claim they got the best selection. They don't. Uh, this I can personally attest. Nobody does a better job providing uh, buying options for you than Campus Bookmart. Go by and see the lovely, talented Susie, Miss Kathy Brown, the whole crew there, and their smiling faces. They'll be sure and take care of you. If you can't make it to town, or perhaps game day is a tough shopping day for you, maybe you got to go set up a tailgate. There's a lot going on. And so the thought of getting out shopping is just not something that enters your mind when you're in Stargold. But you need to support our local businesses. Go to campusbookmart.net. 
And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than $75, absolutely incomplete. I did some online shopping myself here recently because uh, I like to buy my wife's stuff. You know, I, I do, and I'll surprise the kids. Matter of fact, I surprised my nephews today uh, with a couple shirts. And so, Mom, it's time to start thinking about that. And maybe, Dad, it's time to start thinking about Mom, doing something special for her, whether it be get her a gift card or whatever. You know, maybe you can't, maybe you don't have the same taste as your wife and you buy stuff and maybe she just won't wear it because she didn't pick it out. There are some people like that. Uh, I buy stuff for my wife all the time, and uh, she'll tell you I'm probably the guest gift buyer. And I have loaded her up with merchandise in the last year uh, about uh, from Campus Bookmark. I think she has every jersey that they sell for Bulldog Baseball. And so you can get that, the kids, get dad something, get yourself something, get some stuff for the home. Many of you have got uh, nieces and nephews getting married. I think it's always a nice housewarming gift. Get something Mississippi State related for the house because you know they're going to hang on to that, right? I mean, you buy them some butter knives. I mean, they're going to lose them in the couch at some point. But the reality of it is you buy something that uh, kind of identifies them as a Bulldog family or this is a Bulldog household, that you know it's going up on the wall. It's always a nice gift. And if you hadn't done so, go buy yourself a diploma frame for the graduate uh, in your life. Reminds me, I need to do the same. Again, it's campusbookmark.net. All right, let's talk about the University of Georgia. We don't play those guys this year unless we make it to Atlanta. And uh, chance that happened pretty slim. We do think Georgia will be there, though. They should be. Yeah. Even they're changing quarterbacks. Georgia is loaded. We always talk about recruiting. People say, well, your recruiting rankings don't matter. Well, they do. And to suggest they don't is a little bit short-sighted. Now, do recruiting rankings tell the full story of things? No, they absolutely don't. But they're still ex- extremely important. Extremely important. And that's what you need to understand. It's about the Jimmys and Joes, but you still got to coach them up. As some coaches can attest, when uh, you go out there and you uh, recruit at a high level, according to the recruiting services, and then you don't win, you can't blame it on talent. They blame it on you. But looking back at last year, Georgia goes 15-0. and 0. That's a pretty nice record, right? Perfection. They open up with Oregon and Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz. And a lot of people are like, oh, this is such a big game. Is Georgia for real? Georgia beat them 49-3. They bounced back the next week, 33-0 winners over Samford. And Georgia didn't look great in that ball game. A lot of people are like, hey, I know it's a 33-point win, but look kind of pedestrian. I think in many respects, Georgia just tried to out-athlete them playing vanilla. Then it's a 48-7 win over South Carolina. So through the first three weeks of the season, Georgia allowed just 10 points. Well, they gave up more than double that against Kent State. Kent State made this thing a game for a while, and eventually Georgia decided to take over there in the fourth quarter, and they went 39-22. to Similar situation in Missouri. They played at Como, and Georgia hangs on to win 26-22. You may recall Missouri had the lead in the second half of this game. 42-10 winners the next week at home against Auburn. 55 to nothing against Vanderbilt, 42-20 winners in Jacksonville against Florida, 27-13 over Tennessee. That game was really never in question once you got through the first quarter. They came to Starkville. That game was in question at the half, thanks to a big punt return from Xavion Thomas. 
and the second half was all Georgia, 45-19. They eke by Kentucky 16-6. And again, give Mark Stoops and those guys some credit. When they play at home, they find a way to shorten the game on you and limit your possessions. But again, Kentucky wasn't for real. Georgia was. They played poorly and still won by 10. Then they blast Georgia Tech 37-14. In the SEC championship game, they beat LSU 50-30, and it really got away from LSU. In the Ohio State game in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, Georgia wins at 42-41. Pretty crazy. You remember that how wild that ending was? And Georgia finds a way to get it done. And then the NAFL championship game, one of the most lopsided NAFL title games in the history of college football, 65-7. to It was not close. And even though it was 65-7, to I think we all agree it was not truly indicative of the difference in the two teams. Georgia could have scored 100 in that game if they wanted to. I think that's fair. And you say, well, Georgia's losing a lot. Well, Georgia loses a lot every year. They're much like Alabama now. It's a machine over there. And that's important to understand, you know, when you're recruiting and developing at the level that Georgia is, it is sustainable because you truly never reach the end of a talent cycle. You're always, you know, accruing talent and putting this thing together. And uh, pretty incredible stuff, man. But, uh, of course, Georgia doesn't have Stetson Bennett anymore. And a lot of people were thinking over the course of the last two years that uh, Stetson Bennett would lose the job. And what does he do? He does something that um, has rarely been done in the history of the Southeastern Conference. He wins back-to-back national championships. Pretty nuts. Also losing some big names on defense. Jalen Carter, for one. He was a tone setter, to say the least. Uh, Keely Ringo, Christopher Smith. They're, you know, they're, they're going to be the guys that um, you know, the people are going to miss, for sure. But reality of it is is that uh, many of these guys have kind of waited in obscurity for their chance to be a frontline player a lot of people think Carson Beck is going to win the job he should we'll see what happens in fall camp you know that'll be the big thing everybody have the big declaration on social media to get engagement talking about who their starting quarterback is whether it's an incumbent or not but um, you know our guy Rara Thomas is over there we're going to miss him and to suggest that we want is uh, to be a little bit homeristic. But, uh, you know, Ra-Ra should have a chance to make some plays over there. I don't even know what his status is, to be honest with you. I know, you know he had – I'm sure he'll be able, be able to play. But, you know, he had a little bit of the, uh, you know, the girlfriend troubles when he got over there. And, um, you know, we'll see how things progress. But um, you know, Dominic Lovett also comes in from Missouri. And then there's Brock Bowers. Probably the best tight end since Aaron Hernandez. And uh, I, I say that with respect for Aaron Hernandez's play, not for Aaron Hernandez as a person. And no way am I comparing Brock Bowers to that. I have no idea what kind of person Brock Bowers is. But uh, I know on the football field, Aaron Hernandez was a dominant force. Brock Bowers, similar. But, uh, you know, defensively, you know, um, you know, they've got dudes that can run. You know, that, that's the main thing. It's like they got guys that can run and tackle. They're well-coached. They're well-developed. That's the reason I think Georgia's going to win the SEC again, you know. Georgia pretty much gets who they want these days, you know. And that's one of the reasons, too, people are like, you know, Alabama's beginning to fade, I think, because Georgia's kind of the hit school right now. But, you know, Nick Saban's still Nick Saban. And 
every time everybody uh, you know expects their demise, you know he finds a way to, to make everybody look silly, you know. So you know we'll see. But uh, this whole thing with Georgia is going to be uh, going to be interesting. You know, Ra Ra of course is a guy that uh, expected to make a a big uh, big impact over there. He was a good player for us, you know, and. Um, you know, with the weapons around him, he'll see a lot of man coverage. And so, you know, maybe Rara has a big year. I know many of you are rooting against that, and I understand. Uh, but defensively, you know, this is a group, too. You know, we, we talk about the SEC being a war of attrition. you got to be strong up front, and Georgia's front will be. They absolutely will be. Uh, Nazir Stackhouse, probably the one guy on that front, and it's a very talented front. That's the one guy you look at and say, you know what? You better block him. You better block him. Uh, but but you like this group. I mean, you know, I mean, the, the you know the two deep loses some guys. But again, it's just we talk about it's not rebuilding. You reload. Uh, Linebacker is going to be interesting. Um, you know, Jamon Dumas Johnson, Smell Mondin Jr. both were given uh, SEC all SEC. Preseason all SEC numbers, and even though their numbers are, are, are designations, they're nowhere near what Jed Johnson and Bookies are. This is basically a vote for the system. This is a vote for the process at Georgia. This is a vote for Kirby Smart. This is like, you know what, if we're good enough to play at Georgia and good enough to play in that defense, they're going to be dudes. And that's, I guess, maybe where we see things differently. I don't think that a preseason list should be based on a guy that didn't do much last year. Just my estimation. Maybe you see it differently. But these guys can run. They can tackle. And in this scheme with that front, they, they should be very productive. Uh, secondary should be really good at Georgia. Javon Bullard is back. And, uh, you know, I, I suspect Georgia will always have great play in the secondary, as long as Kirby's there, you know. But, yeah, anybody expecting Georgia to fall off this year because Stetson Bennett's gone is kidding themselves. Let's look at the 2023 schedule for Georgia. And, yeah, it matters. I mean, it does. I mean, you, you can say what you want to. But, you know, Georgia, again, kind of a skate artist last year in a few ball games. You know, while they went 15-0, you look at it and say they weren't just uh, they weren't just a dominant force. You know, they should have been. But that's the mark of a great team is when you win big or you win a game when you don't play well. That was the case in a couple of games. Last year, that Georgia defense against Ohio State, I don't think people expected that. I can't recall where we were when that game was played. Um, I think we were down in Florida getting for the bowl game. But um, I know most everybody around was was picking against, you know, Georgia. They're thinking, oh, we want Ohio State to win. Well, you know, I wanted Georgia to win because I wanted to get more money for Mississippi State. All right, UT Martin. And to clarify that, Georgia advances to the NAFL championship game. So there's more money in the coffers for the league. All right, Georgia will open up a night game against UT Martin. That should be a bloodbath. They'll get Ball State the next weekend. That's a noon game. That should be a bloodbath. They host South Carolina, which should be interesting for a little while. But, again, so much is riding on the shoulders of Spencer Rattler. I mean, do you expect him to go into Athens, Georgia, 
and win that game? I don't, but I do think it'll be a competitive game for a while. I think in the end, Georgia's running game will be too much for South Carolina. I don't think there's any question about that. That, that is a tough, tough, tough ask to be able to go in between the hedges and win that ball game. It's just absolute insanity when you begin to kind of break that thing down. You know, one of the things that I think about, too, when I look ahead, you know, to our matchup with South Carolina, you know, it's like we play them the week after they play at Georgia. You know, what kind of condition is South Carolina going to be in after playing Georgia? And you certainly want it to be a competitive game for a while, you know, because you want them to have to uh, to play their frontline guys. But as physical as that Georgia defense is, you know, who, Spencer Rattler may not be 100% when he plays Mississippi State. And that's important to understand, too. Again, I, I kind of like where we're positioned. That, that game is very important in our schedule. And kind of where it falls in their schedule, I think, is, is big. After South Carolina, Georgia will host UAB. So, you know, they're going to open up the year not even having to leave the state of Georgia for a long time. Because um, – I guess they'll go to uh, Auburn on September 30th. So they'll still play their first four games at home. Excuse me, first three games at home. And then they, uh, they'll travel to Auburn. Then they're back home for a game against Kentucky. And then it's to Nashville to play Vanderbilt. Florida in the cocktail party. And then you host Missouri, a team that gave you trouble last year. And then Ole Miss – It'll be a rough stretch, Rebels. And then the next week, you head to Knoxville. So, you know, if you're Ole Miss, you'd say, hey, we're a sandwich game. But they're not because I think Georgia will learn from last year's deal at Missouri. Not to mention Missouri had some defenders last year that have, that have moved on, you know. But Ole Miss, maybe Ole Miss catches Georgia peeking ahead a little bit of Tennessee. I don't, you know, I don't know. That kind of happens to immature teams. I don't know if it happens in Georgia. And they, they round out the regular season slate in Atlanta against Georgia Tech. So, uh, when you look at the schedule, you say, hey, you know, where's the tough games? I don't know if there are any. You know, and, and maybe that road trip to Tennessee is one. Uh, I think, you know, the Georgia-Auburn game, to be honest with you, is one of those rivalry games that I have always really enjoyed. Uh, you know, if, if we're not playing, that's one of those games that I, I enjoy being able to sit and watch. That is a rivalry game. Uh, most years, that's one that uh, you never know what's going to happen. You know, it's just one of those things. It's, you know, of course, Auburn has Alabama and Georgia has Florida. But, but the reality of it is, is this Georgia-Auburn series is sneaky, sneaky good. And so you know what it means to those fans, and you know those players are going to have to play Georgia, not just because they're going to be the number one team coming in. But, guys, there's only seven games difference in the standings, in the schedule between these two. Like, Georgia has won 63. Auburn has won 56. Now, Georgia has dominated as of late. Auburn beats Georgia back in 17 in the regular season. That's Georgia's first loss to them since 2014. They went, and a lot of these have been competitive games, but in 14, they went 34-7. They win the next two, and in 17, the regular season meeting, they lose, and then Georgia bounces back and, and wins 28-7 in the title game. And it has been all Georgia ever since. But it's been 27-10, 21-14, 27-6, 34-10. 
And while lately the you know there's been a disparity in the talent level, and there will be this year too, you know the folks at Auburn will be up to play this ball game. But I like Georgia to win it double digits as we sit here today. I don't I don't give Kentucky a chance, Vanderbilt. I don't think Florida. I think Florida will get out to play because they know it's a rivalry game. They know what it means. But you know I think Florida again, like I said on Monday show, I think the recruiting chickens are coming home to roost. They're just not at the same level talent-wise. And, again, you know, that road trip to Tennessee, is that the one slip-up for Georgia? You, you almost have to talk yourself into this, right? Okay, well, then they may struggle here. Any road game in the SEC is tough. Uh, ask Alabama, you know, what, what happened when they went to Knoxville last year. But I think most people would agree Georgia is the consensus pick to win the SEC. It's got to boil down a quarterback play, though. A lot of play, not a weapons around them. You know, if Beck wins the job as he should, they should be in good shape. I think Carson Beck's probably better quarterback on paper than Stetson Bennett. But does he have the moxie that Stetson Bennett had? I mean, how many times did Bennett go make a play when they needed it? He was a leader, legendary quarterback. It's tough to follow the guy, right? So you could see a game or two maybe being pretty competitive because of the fact that um, you're going to be asking a guy to do something he's never done before. And that's go chase a championship. A lot of people are in the same situation, but the expectations of Georgia, nobody's just going to be satisfied. They're like, hey, we're here. Let's build a dynasty. But with Georgia winning the SEC, as they should, they'll certainly be an SEC team. And I think just winning the East gets them into the playoff, right? Uh, so, that, you know, what does the rest of college football look like? A lot of people are already kind of putting their, their, their picks out. But, you know, you know, Georgia, obviously a very safe pick with back-to-back national championships. But you certainly could see a situation with the quarterback play maybe not being all it's cracked up to be. So we'll see how things go. So we'll continue our preview on uh, Friday. You know, we're starting to get into uh, some other Bulldog opponents coming up this week. You know, we've talked about Florida and Georgia, whose state wouldn't play unless we played them in Atlanta, and we're not making Atlanta. Barring something totally unforeseen. Uh, but it's interesting to talk about the rest of the league. I think one of the things I've learned in my research, too, is that, you know, there are fans of every school that have major concerns about personal groups just like we do. You, tell, you go read the Florida boards, and they're all, they're all still mad at John Hevesy. It's like, how do we get in a situation where we don't have enough offensive linemen that we have to go into the portal and, and kind of overcome these recruiting deficiencies? And you go read the Georgia boards, and they're like, they're kind of, they're, hey, we've got enough pieces around the kid, but uh, what are we going to do at quarterback, you know? What happens there? What are we going to do at linebacker? Yeah, we got some guys that can run and hit, but they don't have experience. So everywhere you go and you read, everybody's got something they're concerned about. And you flush that out in fall camp and hope for the best when the season starts. But we only become so acutely aware of what we have, right, or what we don't have. But even a place like Georgia, with back-to-back national championships, there's some level of anxiety. It's not just, hey, we want to have a good year and go to a New Year's Six game. That's no longer enough. They've elevated the expectations. And their fans are going to feel like, hey, you drop a couple games this year, well, we're regressing. You forget the fact we got a first-year starter in Georgia. 
But the reality of it is, is that everybody's got something they're worried about. That includes us, Ole Miss, Alabama, everybody. But I won't be the least bit surprised this year if Alabama kind of has a return to form. But we'll see what happens in a quarterback spot. Again, it's a weird year for quarterbacks in this league. I mean, people are talking about how loaded it is. I don't, you know, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't. I really like KJ, especially in that scheme at Arkansas. Love Will Rogers. It'll be interested to see how he handles the transition, you know, to the new scheme. But he's a very intelligent guy with a lot of SEC snaps under his belt, so I'm optimistic. There'll be some growing pains, but he'll be fine. Uh, Jackson Dart proved to be a better athlete, I think, than most people expect him to be. And I thought I'll miss it a good job kind of using his running ability. He did have some games where, especially early in the year, where the ball sailed on him a little bit. But, you know, by the time they got, you know, middle of the year, he was playing well. You know, so you look at that, but you say, you know, is Jackson Dart you know, capable of getting them to New Year's Six Bowl? I, I think not, you know. But I know this, and there was a big fourth down play in the Egg Bowl. He took a perfect throw and he made it, you know. So there's there's some dudes out there, uh, but there's gonna it's kind of a wide open field in my estimation. It's not like you look at it and say, you know what, hey, this is definitely the best quarterback in the SEC. I mean, people are really high on Joe Milton, but at Tennessee, and Josh Heupel does a good job with quarterbacks, as you guys are well aware. Everywhere he's gone, he's done a good job developing quarterbacks. He was a quarterback, and in that scheme. You know, they've got some athletes that can really run. So, it's a very quarterback-friendly offense. And Milton's the guys you got to account for in a running game, too. You know, is he Hendon Hooker? I don't think so. But, you know, the similarities are there, you know. He's another guy, a big, strong, physical guy that can run. When things break down, he can move chains for you. And so – but there's just so much talk about this, This you know, being such a loaded year quarterback. I, I just don't see it. And that's one of the reasons that I think Mississippi State's in a good position here is because I think that the quarterback play around the league is not going to be maybe as good as some people are, are forecasting. I mean, you start basing this off recruiting rankings, you know, might as well just what us call the shots, right? I mean, you know, the most difficult thing to do in life is to forecast future human performance because you never know what's going on. You know, what about the weight of expectations? You know, you're throwing a kid at, in Georgia on the field after winning back-to-back national championships, and no matter how skilled the kid is, I mean, he's never going to measure up to Stetson Bennett, who's done something that's never been done before. And there, there's so many people that criticized Stetson Bennett last year will be the, sort of the same ones that are on back this year. Well, he's not Stetson Bennett. Well, last year you said the same thing. about You know, Stetson Bennett wasn't even Stetson Bennett, right? There were a lot of people expecting him to uh, to lose the job in 2020. It's insane. But, uh, again, Georgia, an absolute machine for sure. All right, give you guys an update on some other things too. The, uh, you know, uh, when the bottom falls, that book will be out next month. They're, uh, they're finishing all this as we go. And um, had to answer a few questions. My part in all this is done. I'm just kind of waiting for this thing to be typeset, and, and uh, they'll push it off to print. It takes about five weeks. And so we hope to have it to you mid-late September. And uh, once we get an actual release date, I'll share it with you guys here on the show. But uh, go to whenthebottomfalls.com, and you can pre-order there. Because uh, chances are you're going to order it, and you're going to forget to think about it later. Go ahead and order now. That way you're insured to get a signed copy. And then you know once they're in from the printer, uh, the publisher will have me come down and sign them, and then we'll uh, we'll get them out and mail to you. 
But, um, you know, other times, too, we're going to have some book signings. And uh, because of the fact we got this thing out, I expect to get it out during football season. We'll do some home signings, you know, home game signings. You know, I'll do some, you know, around town. Uh, we'll do some at Campus Bookmart and Bookmart Cafe and other places. So you'll be able to come out and, and say hello. But um, if you want, if you live out of state and it's tough to get to Starkville, um, I'm going to do an event the night before the South Carolina game in Columbia. I don't have a lot of details on it yet, but I will be in Columbia, South Carolina the Friday before we play the Gamecocks. And uh, we certainly hope to have books then. But even if we don't have When the Bottom Falls, which we should, if we don't, we'll have everything else. And you'll be able to buy it at point of purchase. You'll be able to buy it at the event, and you can pay, and then um, you know, we'll get it signed and everything else. Looking forward uh, to heading back up there. Uh, that's where Ruby is from. In case you guys have forgotten, I bought Ruby in Lexington, South Carolina, my last trip to Columbia. I had to go up there and speak at a uh, recovery function. And uh, Silver Mustang started messing up on me, and uh, I had already put so much money in it. I said, you know what, I'm just going to make a decision here and be done with this. And I uh, bought Ruby, and she's been a big part of my life. And I tell you this, having Ruby going back and forth to New Mexico made life a whole lot easier. I can't imagine with that 05 Mustang, even though I would restored it, making that trip over and over and over again to Albuquerque. I just don't know if that would have worked out well. But uh, So we'll have some events. And uh, one of the things that we're thinking about, a lot of people have approached me about this, is kind of having like an evening with type event uh, and have recovery people come. You know, I, I, listen, I don't know what part of groups, if you're with these groups and that's your business, I'm not asking you to break your anonymity. But to have an event, I, I show up, we talk about recovery, and then sell books afterwards. You know, and so that's something that you know, you'll have to decide if you're interested in that. If you are, contact me, and I'll put you in contact with the people that make those arrangements, and uh, we'll get it done. But I've had some people that have said, hey, I'd love to hear you speak, uh, which I can tell you is a very emotional undertaking for me, but I have spoken, I don't know, well over 100 times. And then probably that's not even that's, – that's short shooting. It's probably closer to 300 times um, in the 31-plus years that I've been sober. And so we'll have an opportunity to do that. And um, you know, it's a side of me that some of you guys hear about on the show, but um, you know, the book just kind of details most of it out there for you. There are a few things that I held back just because you know, it talks about in, in the steps of AA, you know, make amends except when to do so and injure them or others. I, I don't want to write a book that uh, you know, draws somebody else into the spotlight in, of a negative thing. So I changed some names to protect the guilty and things like that. But um, Again, that's whenthebottomfalls.com, and while you're there, you can get all the sports books, too. Uh, it's Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, Stark Villains, and Dogpile at the same URL. So if you, and I, it's, a, it's always so interesting to me. I'm running to people and I say, hey, I bought your book, and I say, which one? And they look at me like, um, oh, I bought Flim Flam, or I got Dogpile. And I say, well, you know, I've written five, now six. And so if you need to complete the collection, you need to make a move soon because, again, Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs will be out of print for probably a year or so. And uh, there's no guarantee on that either. So you got to understand, if you want to do that, you got to make a move. And uh, a lot of people have said, you know, what's next? And I've got some plans, but uh, I'd like to write the Leach documentary, documentary, the Leach biography, but we're not going to do anything without the permission of the family. And it hadn't even been a year since Coach passed away. Like everybody's like, oh, you got to write it, you got to write it, you got to write it. Guys, a book about Mike Leach will always sell. And uh, it, whether it's next year, the next year, or whatever. Uh, I'd love to write that one next, but again, I've got to give the people that were closest to him the opportunity to heal. I don't want it to be a situation where it looks like we're trying to exploit 
that situation. I have too much respect for Mike and his family. So, so hopefully that works out. If it doesn't, we'll write something else. I've already done some interviews for another collection of state stories. We're going to call it State Greats. And uh, we'll get that out to you sometime here in the next couple of years. And then I'm planning at some point over the next few years to write a novel and uh, kind of loosely based on actual events. But I'm going to have some fun with it because I'm a writer. But uh, we look forward to that. And so, again, if you are interested in having me come do a signing or having me come speak and do a signing afterwards about the recovery book, we, we can do that. You know, but you just need to reach out and put you in contact with the right people. I've like this deal in South Carolina originated on Twitter. I said, hey, we're doing the big uh, kind of several alumni groups are going to get together the Friday night before the event. And uh, we'd love for you to come. And so I'm going to be there anyway. So we'll get there. Me and Ruby will go back and maybe we'll ride by the dealership and, you know, she can wave goodbye to her family again. You know, we'll see. But um, those are the things that are important to me. And uh, I don't always advertise when I speak about recovery stuff. Um, just because of the fact I want to protect other people's anonymity. And I don't know if you can sell books at an AA thing. I've been going to AA for, you know, 30-some years. But um, I don't know that we've ever had anybody come in and sell books. And so I don't know that I want to do that. But uh, we may do, like, if you were a, a CR group or something like that, or, or maybe, you know, you got your own group, you can do what you want to do. You know, making a difference to me. The whole thing is about spreading the word and spreading hope in life. It's not, hey, look at Steve and all he's overcome. That's a part of the story, but the reality of it is that the 12 steps worked for me. I mean, I work for you, but I would submit more times than not, it's because you haven't worked for you. And so if you know somebody in recovery or perhaps somebody in active addiction or somebody that loves somebody in active addiction, I've had a lot of that. I've had a lot of people that have reached out and said, hey, I'm buying this book for my sister or for my aunt or for my uncle, and they have a child or a significant other that is in active addiction or alcoholism. And so... Uh, this is the truth, man. I mean, I'm just, a lot of people, there's been all these rumors and discussions about what I have and haven't done. And one of the things I'll tell you about that is, is that uh, people always say, well, if this person did meth. I never did. Uh, not to say I wouldn't have, not to say that I'm better than anybody that did. But the reality of it is the drug of choice doesn't matter. It all leads to the same place. But it's like, well, because they took pharmaceuticals or something, it makes it better than, you know, the people that get high on street drugs, you know. It all leads to jails, institutions, and death. I've said before, the only difference between, you know, the prostitute on the streets and the, the soccer mom in many respects is where they get their dope and how they get it. You know, at the end of the day, when you go to rehab, it's, you know, it's a great equalizer because addiction is no respect to a person's. And so I'm not going to spill my time on this, but just wanted to share that with you. If you hadn't pre-ordered, you should, and you should think about maybe buying it for, for, a, uh, for a friend or someone else in need. So Friday, we will uh, have football practice at 9.30 a.m. So I will record the show Friday afternoon. That's during the summer. I've kind of done more of that. Lately, I've done morning shows. But with us practicing earlier, it will give me the opportunity to observe practice and then bring you guys some intel from practice. We'll interview Coach Arnett, players and coaches, and then we'll be able to share that with you. So every day that we have practice and it's a recording day, expect to hear the show later in the afternoon or evening. As soon as I get back and get something to eat and get cooled down a little bit, we'll get started on that. But I just wanted to give you guys a bit of a programming note. And uh, I will be out of town this weekend, but we will have the whole crew uh, hanging around practice and uh, you know doing post-practice media opportunities. I will be there Friday. I will not be there Saturday. And um, I'll be back in town, I guess, uh, Monday night. But um, 
jeanspage.com will be your, your one-stop shop for all things Mississippi State football. Uh, so we'll have everything, transcriptions and videos, everything that you need that happened in practice. Uh, Paul will do a daily depth chart. And again, as I say, this is not a criticism of Paul because Paul does a really good job keep it, keeping up with us. That's all written in, in, in sand. I mean, it really is. It's not anything that you need to get upset about. Like if there's a guy that's down the, our depth chart, which is not the official depth chart. It's just what we see because we get such a limited time. Uh, but we're going to get, you know, we're going to have some days we get to see more practice. But uh, it's not like it's going to be what it was with Leach. And Leach was like, I don't care what you guys do. You can stay the whole time until we get into uh, pre-camp, you know, the last week of practice. And so, uh, so again, be prepared for a later show when practice takes place in the morning. And, guys, we're there, right? And I, I get tired of having a summer where it's more, more summer than sports. You know, I enjoy covering the camps, the football camps, but I like the fact, I like when baseball plays deep into the summer. You know, it was so much fun in 2021, right? You know, it's like for, uh, you know, three out of four years, you know, we played baseball till late June, and then the next thing you know, you turn around, camp's beginning, so you didn't get a lot of time off, you know. And so this year and last year, we haven't played in baseball postseason, and so it's made the dog days of summer a lot longer. And so I want to get this thing done and get this thing up and running and then us have an opportunity to, to get back in the postseason uh, for baseball because it's not just for our entertainment dollar. I mean, it's the health of our program. And so it seems like it has been forever since we have had anything to cheer for, right, in sports because you go all the way back to Memorial Day weekend, the final weekend, Texas A&M. We got eliminated. We played down to the final day, and we weren't going to make the uh, big dance anyway. But the reality of it is is that we – we did the best we could as fans to try to will the team there. We just couldn't get there. But um, something to start kind of keeping up with. Now it's like Mississippi State sports is now back in session starting Friday morning. So look forward to uh, seeing our coverage. And there's going to be a lot of people that are providing coverage, but nobody's going to do a better job than we are. But uh, it seems like it's been forever, absolutely forever, since we've been able to kind of congregate as a family and unite under the maroon and white banner. Doesn't matter, you know, what your politics are, you know, what your identity is, or what your values are. For a few hours, we can all get together and unite for one cause, and that's Mississippi State sports. And so, again, things are getting ready to ramp up, and there won't be no time that we'll be uh, taking on the afternoon heat. But go ahead and start hydrating now uh, for that season opener against for against southeastern Louisiana. So. Um, I'm, I'm ready to go. I know you guys are as well. So let me get ready to wrap this thing up. Uh, if, you, if you hadn't gotten Stark Villains gear yet, you should. Everybody needs a new T-shirt. Go to StarkVillains.com. Order yourself. And, again, if you are a uh, Stark Villian, you can get it in Starkville school colors, black and gold. If you are a volunteer at SA, you can get it in orange and blue. There's a variety of colors and styles you can choose from, and uh, we encourage you to do that. Again, at StarkVillains.com, and uh, they'll get it right out to you. And, again, if you're not a member of JeansPage.com, 75% off the annual subscription. That fly sale runs today and tomorrow. So Thursday night at midnight central, it's over. So take advantage of that now. Go check it out. Jump aboard. Uh, we've got a record number of subscribers. You know, the train is not slowing down. Matter of fact, we just keep throwing – uh, fuel in the furnace, running this thing on ahead. So 
That's it for today. I'll be back with you guys on Friday afternoon. Until next time, though, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.